Bite Size Birthday Biography Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, September 13th, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Alan Leroy Locke, the first African-American Rhodes Scholar. So Alan Leroy Locke wore a number of hats throughout his life. He was an educator and a writer, a philosopher, and perhaps most famously, the philosophical architect of the Harlem Renaissance. He's also been called the philosophical dean of the Harlem Renaissance, so I may use those uh, terms interchangeably throughout this episode. Before we dive into his life, though, I want to sidebar for a minute to set the mood. So I don't know about any of you guys out there, but I feel like I did not learn nearly enough about the Harlem Renaissance when I was in school. I, I quite frankly can't remember learning really anything about the Harlem Renaissance in school. Again, my experience probably was different than a lot of other schools. I went to a private Christian high school in Orange County, so doesn't exactly scream diversity right there. But I feel like I spent a lot of time learning about things like when the Magna Carta was signed and the names of the three ships that Columbus took to go torture indigenous people. And I didn't learn nearly enough about this phenomenal arts movement. So I had a lot of fun kind of learning or relearning about it myself while I was doing all this research. So I'm going to just encapsulate it super quickly for anyone out there who kind of had a educationally barren experience like I did. So the Harlem Renaissance is essentially this explosion of art and beauty and freedom and self-expression in the 1920s following the horrors of enslavement and the absolute disaster that was the Reconstruction era. So after the emancipation of enslaved people following the Civil War, the Reconstruction era at first sought to allow political and economic equality to people of color, but unfortunately, between the KKK and white Democrats in the South, the elected officials of color were soon drowned out by racist bills, which came to be known as Jim Crow. So these systematically denied African Americans the rights and equality that they had been striving for for so long. The term itself, Renaissance, is a French term, literally meaning rebirth, renaissance. And as the name suggests, its epicenter was in the neighborhood of Harlem in New York City. We're only recently calling it the Harlem Renaissance, though at the time it was actually called the New Negro Movement. The name coming from a collection of essays and poems called The New Negro, which was actually edited by Locke. The book uh, includes a ton of phenomenal writers of color, including Langston Hughes and County Cullen and Zora Neale Hurston. This book was a remarkable and important piece of literature because it brilliantly mirrored the changing attitudes that Locke saw taking place in the African-American community. And he saw this rebirth as a testament to the world regarding how African-Americans would no longer accept this secondary role in society, but instead would be proud of their heritage and they would demand an equal voice in life and in history. The people that participated in the Harlem Renaissance, for the most part, had memories of at least reconstruction, if not enslavement, sometimes as stories passed down from parents or grandparents. But by the early 1900s, Harlem was becoming a very popular location for uh, black people trying to leave the racist like, quicksand of the South. There was this growing middle class in Harlem, and a lot of artists were drawn to the area because they had 
a lot of cultural things. They had an opera house and nightclubs and this thriving black artistic community. And it became sort of a mecca for black artists who could not only practice their art more openly, but they could also create the supportive community that every artist needs. The arts coming out of the Harlem Renaissance are some of the best ever made. From the paintings, to the poems, to the music, to the fashion. You've got you know, Langston Hughes, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Josephine Baker, just the Harlem Renaissance was this absolutely beautiful artistic melange born out of so much resilience and power. So how does Locke get involved in all this? Let's start at the beginning. So Locke is born in Philadelphia on September 13th, 1885 to a very prominent African-American family. His father, Pliny Locke, was actually the first black employee of the U.S. Postal Service, and his ancestors had been educators and veterans. It was Locke's mother, Mary, a teacher, who first sparked his love of reading and his thirst for knowledge. So Locke graduates second in his class from Philadelphia Central High School in 1902. Unfortunately, at this time, he comes down with a disease called rheumatic fever. Uh, rheumatic fever causes heart damage, usually, and this heart damage that he incurred ended up impacting him for the rest of his life before causing his untimely death. So rheumatic fever, we don't hear about it too, too much now, but it's, it's an illness, like a secondary illness that can develop if strep throat or scarlet fever isn't treated properly. Um, it can happen to anyone, but it usually happens to kids and teenagers. It's a scary side effect because it can cause permanent damage to your heart, most often to the valves. So Locke recovers temporarily from rheumatic fever, and he goes to the Philadelphia School of Pedagogy before starting at Harvard. He graduates magna cum laude from Harvard in 1907 with a degree in philosophy and literature. And his writing receives so much notice and even some prestigious prizes, including the Rhodes Scholarship, making him the first person of color to receive one. Um, this scholarship is a postgraduate award. It's for students to study at Oxford, and it, it was started in 1902 by Cecil Rhodes, who is perhaps most famously known for starting the De Beers diamond monopoly that we know of today. Times being what they were, in this case, technologically speaking, most, if not all of the people who decided to give him this award were unaware of his ethnicity as the Rhodes Committee didn't interview people in person. It's been reported that some of the people on the committee probably knew that he was black, but regardless, he shows up to Oxford and none of the colleges there wanted to accept him. Oxford is actually made up of 30 different colleges and each one is kind of like its own academic community. So some of the other Rhodes Scholars that were there, the ones that were from the South, uh, refused to attend any college that he was accepted into. Finally, Hertford College relents and they admit him. And while he was there, Allen studies literature, Greek, and philosophy. So he graduates and he accepts an assistant professor position in English at Howard University in 1912. And he completes a PhD in philosophy from Harvard in 1918. During his time as a teacher and a student, he voraciously protects and encourages and supports African-American writers and artists. He really felt that Africa's history was a subject matter that needed to be explored and analyzed and captured in the various art mediums. And all of this came to fruition in 1925 with the publishing of The New Negro, which is now regarded by many as the first national book of African America. So he completes this shortly after being fired from Howard University after attempting to establish pay equity between professors of different races. 
Aside from the contributions of poets and writers such as Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston, Locke includes five of his own essays. It was a groundbreaking work in a lot of ways, not least of which was the concept of encouraging African Americans to insist on equality and to not mold their lives around the expectations and demands of white people and to really tap into the true power of the individual and the community. And it was this seminal work, at least in part, that earned him the honorary title of the Dean of the Harlem Renaissance. So in 1928, Howard University appointed its first African-American president, Mordecai W. Johnson. So Locke was asked to resume his position, which he did until his retirement in 1953. He died June 9th, 1954 at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City from his ongoing heart issues. Locke never married nor had children. Uh, He was gay, and it's possible that he was even supportive of other gay African-Americans in his community. However, he did not feel comfortable being open about his orientation, and he called his sexual identity his vulnerable slash invulnerability. Today, he's fondly remembered as the philosophical architect of the Harlem Renaissance and has been named as an inspiration by many civil rights uh, notables, including Martin Luther King Jr. And there are multiple schools across the country named in his honor. If you are interested in experiencing some of the most amazing writers from the Harlem Renaissance, pick up a copy of The New Negro. If you want to know more about Locke's life specifically, there's a biography by Jeffrey Stewart called The New Negro, The Life of Alan Locke, and it won the Pulitzer in 2019. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Alan Leroy Locke. Please join me tomorrow, September 14th, when we celebrate the birth and life of civil rights activist and freedom writer Joan Trumpauer Mulholland. See you then. Thank you.